0: No doubt. Thank you, guys. Yep, it's only an hour. Jeff out, Jordan Scruggs. Hey, I got some housekeeping stuff to take care of before we get into it, Jordan. Uh, get over to Hornets 24-7. It's one of our best specials of the year. If you're not a member, 75% off an annual subscription right now. Today only. That offer ends tonight, ten fifty nine our time. So you can get over there and take advantage. Uh, the Stampede was dropped this morning. That's Jordan and Hank, their weekly recruiting Uh insider all the good news notes and nuggets we got the actual insider piece dropping on thursday all weekly recruiting updates chip has all of his stuff program updates uh myself eric henry also bringing you news notes and nuggets throughout the week so get over to horns 24 7 and check that out and don't forget support texas sports unfiltered hit the like button on this video subscribe to the texas sports unfiltered youtube channel plenty of ways to uh support the product we got going on here So. 75% seventy five percent off subs at Horns twenty four seven and just don't forget to subscribe, like all that good stuff on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Jordan, uh, are you moved in?
1: Everything good? Yeah, about uh, less than an hour ago actually. I finally had my Wi Fi installed, so um, you know, gonna gonna be here from now
0: on for all the shows. So. Is, is Colin happy that you don't have to use his place anymore for Wi Fi <laughs>
1: Uh, I haven't asked that question, but probably know the answer to it already, so
0: yeah, man. Uh, Colin actually got to do a cool story over the weekend, and I'll, I'll start here, not Texas related, but I can remember seeing Jacob Henry. Jacob couldn't have been seven, six, seven years old when uh, his dad, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, was bringing him up to the radio station. Uh, former Lake Travis Cavalier finished his high school career at Vandegrift. And he's headed to Oklahoma. We know Mark and that family are big Texas fans, but Jacob's going to go to Oklahoma to wrestle. Uh, so props to him, man. It's crazy that that little kid I used to see running around a radio station is a division one athlete now, but uh, I know Mark is a proud dad and Colin caught up with Jacob and Mark and had a good story. Actually, if you go to my Twitter feed at JeffHow247, I retweeted that so you can go check that out. Uh Jordan, that's a kid from your your neck of the woods, your old stomping grounds there, the Vandergrift Lake Travis area. Um, that to me is just a really cool story, man. Jacob Henry going Division One to wrestle.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, you know, he he was a good ball player for sure in football, but you know, a little undersized. Um, you know, stronger than stronger than an ox. So you know, really good high school player, but just not not a great football prospect, but. Um, me personally, I've never been into wrestling, never watched WWE growing up or none of that. So don't know how good of a wrestler he was, but, um, you know, when I check in with the coaches that I like Travis or Bandy, they always kind of made it seem like, even though football seems to be his main sport, like his future is in wrestling and, you know, he's a really special wrestler. So yeah, cool. Cool to see him get that opportunity. I know, uh, you know, he's going North of the river, but, um, you know, Oklahoma, I'm pretty sure it's one of the better wrestling programs. I might be wrong there. I know Iowa's pretty strong. um, but Oklahoma State. Good for him.
0: Yeah. No, no doubt, man. Uh, And really cool. I've known Mark for years now, so shout out to the world's strongest man. That's not a gimmick. That's legit. Like, Mark Henry was legitimately, I think, in some lifts, technically still is the world's strongest man, so... Shout out to him. Uh, Jordan, we talked about it, man. This is going to be one of those weeks where leading up to National Signing Day, there's pretty much no buzz for Texas. The portal's done for now. Uh, There's nothing, unless Terry Bussey has just been pulling everybody's leg this whole time and is going to do something that nobody expects him to do. Wednesday is going to be quiet, but as you reflect on this talent acquisition cycle, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but this will be the last time we talk about 2024 is really over the next three days. What What's your big takeaway? In other words, if you had to write a book on 2024 recruiting, what's the, what's that first chapter for you, that lead chapter, the one that's going to grab everybody's attention. What should they take away from this 2024 recruiting cycle for Sark and his Texas program?
1: Um, look, man, uh, the, the 2022 cycle was the offensive line class with, uh, you know, Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell, Nato, however you say his name, Cam Williams, uh, Connor Robertson, Cole Hudson. I think I got them all, uh, six of them. Uh, Malik Ogbo, too, yeah. came in as O-lineman, now a tight end, obviously, or whatever you want to call his position. Um, the next year was linebacker, you know, Darian Galette. You can count to Celia Khan as well, obviously, Ant Hill, Leonga LaFalle, Samaje Burrell. This year was defensive back, man. Xavier Filsamy, Wardell Mack, Kobe Black, Santana Wilson, uh, Jordan Johnson, Rubell. I mean, the list goes on. And um, with, with Texas Hudson and I have kind of always had this Hudson Standish and I've always kind of had this bit, this little riff where it's almost like each year Texas is looking at the roster, seeing where the weaknesses are, what they need to sign like a big group and mm-hmm. Almost like taking it personal, you know, like, all right, buddy, like, let me go sign the best of the line class. Okay. Next year, let me go sign the best linebacker class. It's like, oh, we're about to graduate a lot of our secondary, lose them to attrition or whatnot. Let's go sign five of the top dudes in the country, you know? Yeah. So it's almost like they take it personal uh, when it comes to um, replacing what they're going to lose or just, mm-hmm. you know, fixing the program, fixing the weak holes, the weak spots. So uh, I got to say, for this year, it's DB. Um, also, you know, the I think the defensive line class as a whole, uh, they had higher hopes probably in the summer. Um, yeah. I know at Edge they were looking to uh, sign three guys. Um, they are hoping to get three, of uh, Danny Okoye, Colin Simmons, Zena, and uh, Jordan Ross. Uh, they ended up getting just uh, Zena and Colin Simmons with uh, Okoye going to Oklahoma, Jordan Ross going to Tennessee. Again, they would have liked to get three out of four, not two out of four. Um so, you know, they're down an edge body that they would have preferred. Yeah. And then on D-line, um, towards the end of the cycle, uh, they were making pushes to try to get a fourth guy in the spot at uh, 4th D-line. Didn't end up making it happen. They ended up losing someone. Um. So the, the D-line class, uh, I think I definitely had higher hopes in the summer and early on in, in the cycle. But, um, you know, it was what you signed a defensive back. You know, you, you have a surplus of talent there. And, and hopefully that can make up for what you didn't get on the D line.
0: Yeah, I just hope Sark and this staff can continue to have that foresight of being on a lot of that too, Jordan's being honest with what you've got on your roster. Because mm-hmm. you may have numbers at a certain position. And some coaches may look at that and say, Okay, well, we got numbers. But if you're being honest with yourself, say, okay, yeah, we've got numbers, but how many of these guys are really gonna be frontline players for us? Like we need to just get some some other guys in here, some guys that we like, let competition sort some things out, and then maybe those other guys get the hint that, all right, I'm not in the long-term plans here. Like, I think I think that's kind of what you're... I've talked about it before. I think that's kind of what you're going to see at Edge, you know, because Colin Simmons is already on campus. Trey Moore's on campus this spring. Dude, those guys are coming in to be impact players, and whether it's Justice Finkley or Jamon Tapp, uh, who, I'd even throw Colton Vosick into that group, even though he was hurt, uh, you know, last year with the back injury. We didn't get to see... Him hardly at all for some of those guys, it's going to be now or never. I'm not saying for all of those guys, but there's gonna be a couple of those guys that after spring ball, they get the hint like, all right, I'm probably not in the long term plans here. It's probably if I'm going to play, I probably need to go somewhere other than Texas. That's what I kind of hope the roster turns into is it's just that because that's where not to say that they don't have cycles where they have needs that are greater than others, but that's where Georgia and Ohio State, and you know, to a lesser extent, Michigan. Uh, Clemson was there at one point in time, uh, Alabama, we know has kind of lived in that territory. So we're seeing, we're seeing Texas venture into that territory. And what's scary about it is everybody nationally starting to pick up on it too. Like whether it's, you know, our guy, Josh Pate, that 24 seven sports has talked about how he feels Texas is going to head into the sec and kind of be in the upper echelon of that conference in terms of having the goods to compete for a national title every year. I saw uh, Matt Barry came out and said something on Greg McElroy's podcast and and really similar to how he feels Texas can go in and compete in the SEC. I know I repeat myself a lot on this, Jordan. It's just wild to think what Sark and company. And, yeah, has NIL made an impact? You'd be foolish to deny that it hasn't. But what they've done with this roster, taking the talent level from where it was when – Sark took the job and really threw his first season to where it is now. I mean, you've legitimately gone from a team that really was just kind of spinning its wheels and you didn't really know what to make of what was going on to, man, this really is a team that's got, they've got a window now where they can go compete for, for championships, even moving to the SEC.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's a snowball and, man, it's rolling downhill and there's, uh, there's a big hill we're looking at. So, yeah. Uh, you know, interest, interested to see if anything knocks the snowball off its course. Um
0: yeah. When when you uh, because we got to talk about some of those other these other SEC programs when it comes to uh, signing day and just kind of what they're where they're filling holes. And I know you know A and M and LSU are both going down to the wire for Terry Bussey. What do you think about the A and M class? You know, Mike Elko's first class. We know it, it's it's heavy on portal pickups because it kind of had to be. And if I, and I've said this, too, if I'm an am an AM fan, I just got to be patient at this point because as much roster turnover as you had, that's going to be the biggest key. And in hindsight, man, that was the biggest key for Sark is what it's going to be for Mike Elko. Mike Elko, how fast can you stabilize the roster? Just kind of, you know, where there's less volatility, just kind of get everything stable. I don't really think, man, Texas got to that point probably until I'd say probably two-thirds of the way through that 2022 season where you started to see, okay, I can see some of the pieces here. And yeah, it feels like you've at least got a foundation that you can build on and you're going to lose some guys and guys will move on, whatever, but you get that foundation. I think it's going to take a minute for for Mike Elko to figure out the foundation and it could be a rough year in college station. Maybe it's not, but uh, what do you think about this A&M class? Anything stand out to you? Good, bad, or indifferent?
1: Yeah, I pulled it up just to kind of get a reminder of who's even in it. Um, Man, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, Um, I mean, there's 16 high school signees. Uh, I I remember at state, uh, the state championships for Texas high school football, you know, usually happen uh, the week before signing day. Um, And, you know, it's us and almost everyone else in the recruiting industry up in the press box. We're going to share some stories. And I remember talking to uh, uh, someone who covers and works in the AM and m market uh, up in that press box and them telling me like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Elko and them have kind of just given up on trying to sign high school kids and kind of just threw in the towel and now they're all going in on the portal. And that was a week yeah. before signing day. I think A&M had like 14 commits at the time. They now have 16. So... Um, yeah, it really seems like they did really actually throw in the towel uh, for high school recruiting. Um, I mean, you have sixteen and transfers, you have twenty three coming in. Uh, don't know how many are going out. As far as the transfer class, I mean, it's ranked pretty high, but you know, mm. it's because you got twenty three dudes. Um, crazy. The the average rating is nowhere close to the the other schools ranked in the top ten. So, yeah. um, you know that it's always something you got to look at there. Um, but, but guys in this class that I like a lot, I think Blake Ivey is going to play in the NFL. Um, I, I really thought he was someone that, I mean, Kyle Flood didn't give up on him for a long time. Um, and, I mean, that was after he already got all the other guys that he signed committed. Um, you know, he wanted him for a reason. Uh, another guy I like a lot is uh, Miles Davis from Converse Judson. Yeah, um, He was someone who kind of got lost in the fold with Texas uh, as things went on. And they continue to... You know, if I'm being honest, I I'm not sure if Texas was expecting them to have the success they did at defensive back on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know once they kind of realized like oh shit we actually are gonna get Wardell Mack we're actually gonna get Phil- all these other guys it was like you know Miles Davis is a really good player but he's not these other guys yeah um but you know nonetheless I, I still like him a lot as a player uh, I think he's gonna end up playing a lot of AM. uh and then Dalen Evans Dalen Evans you know had a uh, pretty monumental last week, leading up to signing day. I know yeah. we all remember that. Um, I and I'll be honest with you all. We we had a commitment story written. We had graphics made. Everything ready to roll. Um, that was how close that was. And I mean, Dale and Evans, we have him as a number seventy six prospect. I've seen him in camps. Um, a million bucks is what he looks like. Uh, he tests like a freak. He also, you know, as he's a guy you look at and say. If he shows up every day and works and gets coached and gets coached up and developed, there is no reason he should not be in the NFL because of everything he has that you can't coach. Right. Um, another guy, Ernest Campbell, 5'8", uh, 150 from Refurio, uh, fastest kid in the state for last however many years it's been. Um, if you've seen the videos of a, a short little black kid who looks skin and bones, super skinny with long dreads running past everyone at state, it was Ernest Campbell. Um, he he I don't know how many state medals he has. He I think I saw him win like four or five events at the state meet last year. I mean he's in two way, so it's kinda unfair. Yeah. But man, they they got speed there. Um uh, they got some size up front, didn't sign a ton of alignment. And then obviously, you know, the crown jewel of the class is deciding in the next 48 hours whether he's gonna stick with them or flip to LSU. So um keeping Terry Bussy is the most important thing for uh, the future AM regarding this commitment class or uh, the transfer class. Um, guys like Terry Bussey don't come around often. That's why he has the ranking, and that's why there's still schools bending over backwards for him, and it's in February. So um, Terry could have a big domino effect on the kind of the off season and direction these schools go with, you know, filling that need for a game-changing player that he is. He can only go to one school. So um, interesting to see the domino effect.
0: I feel like if – this is just me talking. I feel like if he goes to A&M, he's probably the guy in terms of their playmakers, even right off the bat as a freshman. If he goes to LSU, he's – it's hard to say he's just a guy, but, man, it's been a while since LSU has – it's weird to say it because we've seen periods of time where they've had ridiculous amounts of skill talent, but, dude, they're stacking it again, man. And you look at Bryce Underwood in their 25 class. I mean, this is why I I never I never bought into the Brian Kelly to Michigan stuff. Just because I mean, like, do you you've got an offense at LSU that you would have given a limb for at Notre Dame to have the kind of speed and playmaking ability on the perimeter that you're gonna have right now? If Terry Bussey goes to LSU, man, that's it's 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 gonna be really hard to stop LSU. If you're a defense in the SEC, that's if, – if, honestly, if I'm a Texas fan, I probably want Terry Bushy to go to A&M. I probably don't want any part of him going to LSU.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I honestly have no idea what position either school wants him at. Um, but I've always hoped he ends up on offense. Uh, you know, I think he's an NFL guy no matter what mm-hmm. <laughs> at any position. Um, but I, I just like seeing guys like that with the ball in their hands for sure. Um, and so do a lot of other coaches and people in football. But, um, you know, there's a lot more guys like Terry Bussey on offense than there are on defense. And that's why there's a lot more elite receivers compared to uh, elite corners in today's game. But,
0: yeah. Um, By yeah. the way, Brian, Brian Kelly got four. If you just look at the 24-7 sports, our in-house rankings in the top 247, four top 30 prospects in the state of Texas. Signed with, L- signed with LSU in the early period. Caden Durham, uh, Weston Davis, big offense, another guy that Texas took a good long look at. Uh, and then Cohen Eccles, the offensive lineman out of Katie, and then Jelani Watkins from Itasca-Sita, the wide receiver. So, LSU doing work in Texas, man. It's Houston and East Texas for the most part, but LSU and obviously Caden Durham for the Metroplex, but LSU still doing work in, work in Houston. It's really weird, man, when you I don't know if you've noticed this when you go to Houston, but there's been times where Houston's been kind of an A&M town. It's been an A&M city. There's definitely a time where it was a a Texas town. You saw Longhorn stuff. Houston, to me now, man, it's kind of an SEC city. Like You see a little bit of Texas, a little bit of A&M. You see some Bama flags and Bama gear. A heavy LSU representation in Houston. Houston's just kind of this weird college football melting pot now of, of all different kind of fan bases, but by and large is you you'll see a lot more for any of those SEC schools than you will see people flying you know u of h or rice colors,
1: yeah, yeah, you will uh, I was actually in Houston uh this weekend. I went down and uh saw a seven on seven tournament, yeah, juice actually won the whole thing uh, is it really so oh, shout, out, shout out shout to uh, shout out to those guys, yeah, I didn't stay on sunday um I just i don't know I wasn't feeling it i, I drove back home to Dallas on Saturday night, night after man. we were done in pool play um. But I did want to talk at the tournament. Uh, there wasn't a ton of talent there. A uh, team from Southeast Texas, uh, Texas Knight Riders was there. They brought three dudes with Texas offers. Um, I already have one of the stories out with Kiotti Armstrong uh, for my time talking to Kiati. And I'll have the other two out uh, today and tomorrow. The other two guys I spoke with are uh, Kosi Akpala and uh, Jabbar Thomas. Kosi Akpala is a 2026 linebacker. At Katie Made Creek and uh, Javar Thomas is a 2025 three star linebacker at uh, Aldi Nimitz. And then Keoti Armstrong is uh, the number 54 overall prospect for the 25 class, number three overall tight end. He's at Jasper. Um, I, I guess we'll start with Kosi. He's the youngest, he's a 2026. 20, uh, and, and everything I'm about to talk about is in the Stampede. So if you want to mm-hmm. read or have the reading version of it, go ahead and look at Horns 24 7. Um, with Kosi Apollo, uh, first off, I think he's going to end up at Texas. Uh, he's a 6'2", 200-pound linebacker, pound uh, linebacker/slash edge. Uh, a fair amount of his film is him kind of coming off the edge in a two-point. Um, at, at 6'2", 200 pounds, that's unlikely that that's his role in college. Probably going to be more of an off-ball backer. Um, he also has tape at off-ball backer, so I'm not worried about that. And then uh, at the tournament as well, he was actually playing nickel, uh, which I was really interested to see just because so much of his tape and pads is just him coming off the edge and rushing the passer. Um, But he held his own and he more than held his own. He he was good in coverage. You can tell he's raw, but um, you know, there's a lot to like there. And Mm -hmm. I guess to tie it back to, to bring it back to Texas, why I like Texas for him. Um, One, it was his dream school growing up. Sources told me that he told me that directly. Uh, Two, his defensive coordinator at Maid Creek is uh, none other than Rashad Babino. Babino. Oh, yeah. Babino. My bad. I couldn't remember watching him play. I was like six. Um, I'm sure Jeff and y'all remember him. Started 45, 52 games, three-time yeah. uh, All Big 12 selection at Texas. Yeah. And his uh, played four seasons. Was on the 40 Acres five years though. He redshirted once. Um, but yeah, so that's his defensive coordinator. Uh, he also works with the linebackers at Made Creek. So, you know, it's kind of similar to Elijah Barnes' setup at Skyline with Peter Jenkins. Um, but so you got Bobineau, uh, you know, in his head kind of pushing Texas. Obviously, you know, uh, most coaches nowadays, you know, are never going to try to sway one kid one way or another. But, uh, you know, you're stupid if you look at that and see Bobino as his coach and don't think that's going to help Texas one way or another. Um, and then also... One thing I thought was really, really cool, and it, it honestly caught me off guard when speaking to Kosi, he is God Brothers with Brian Arakpo. I've never heard the term God Brother. Yeah. Um, but he told me he was God Brothers with Brian Arakpo. Uh, after we stopped recording, I kind of asked him, you know, what does that even mean? How did you even meet Brian Arakpo? How are you tied in there? And he had told me uh, when Arakpo was coming up in high school in Houston and growing up um, that Kosey's father Kind of was looking out for him, helped raise him as a caretaker for him, and just was in his support circle and, you know, helped take care of him. Was one of the nice. people that kind of raised him. Um, and he said Arakpo's been in his whole life, he's been around his whole life. Uh, he sees him a couple times a year. They talk on the phone a couple times a year. And, uh, he said they've already talked since, uh, since that Texas <laughs> offer came through last week. So, or a few weeks ago, they offered him on the 22nd, but, um, the, the, there's so many connections to Texas here for him. He's yeah. also, you know, I really like him as a prospect. I love what I saw this past weekend. It was my first time seeing him. But, you know, again, I really liked what I saw.
0: Um, there's a fun track. right now. Rashad, Rashad uh, Bobbino and Brian Arakpo in the same recruiting class at Texas. Both got the Texas in that O four class with Jordan Shipley was in that class. Ramont Taylor was in that class. A lot of really good players came to Texas in that O four class.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a special class, but uh, w- w- with Kelsey, I uh, expect him to end up at Texas. Um, probably gonna put a crystal. Ball. I'm gonna put a crystal ball in by the end of the spring. I might. W- I might put one in this week. You know, uh, I need to talk to some more people first. You never want to jump the gun. Um, and also, right now he's only got five offers. Uh, Texas was the second. Uh, he only has in-state schools. I think it's SMU, Tech. Ut AM, And Houston I think are his five offers, um, but he, he's going to get plenty more. Uh, he has a look, he has a film, and you know he he can cover play off the edge or traditional linebacker. He you know k- kids can't do that, um, especially linebackers who are heading into uh, are going to be heading into their junior season are, are not supposed to be as versatile and as athletic as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I just I think it was good news this weekend that we found that out, and it really seems like he's trending
0: to uh, to Austin. Just one one more thing, real quick, because I just decided to look it up on a whim. Mm-hmm. 2004 Texas class, very underrated because you're kind of in between that 2 class, that's the gold standard, and the 5 class, which had Colt McCoy in it, but like Derek Loki, Nate Jones, Frank Ocam. Uh, yeah, Rashad Babino, who I think got a cup of coffee in the NFL. Jordan Shipley, Chris Obanaya, Brian Arakpo, Ramon's Taylor. There's a, a lot of dudes in there that helped Texas win a lot of football games and some a decent amount of NFL money in that class too. So, shout out to yeah. the Texas signing class. And 20 years ago, Jordan, 20 years ago, that was the class getting ready to to sign with Texas. Yeah yeah I old, wow man. i feel old i'm the i'm the i'm the creepy old guy on the on the beat now i'm the i'm the old f.
1: you're I'm not, not the, old. the oldest guy on the beat though so
0: no no but not even close no no i'm i'm still i'm still uh i'm still a young guy compared to to some of my uh counterparts some of my colleagues but yeah as far as our staff goes i'm i'm kind of the old f at this point
1: yeah uh I, I guess we'll get into uh Kiadi Armstrong's recruitment. He's another guy I talked to uh, this past weekend, put out a story with him yesterday. Uh Keati doesn't say much on the record, you know, very soft spoken. Um, you know, just
0: honestly just doesn't say a ton of words. Yeah, I, I but, edited your story. I kind of got I kind of got that vibe.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but uh doesn't say a ton of words. Very soft spoken, but uh, man, you, you get him off record. He he likes Texas a lot and he likes AM a lot. Um, talking to him, talking to people around him, talking to people in Jasper, all over Southeast Texas. Uh, a lot of people are saying kind of the same things that were said about Anthony Smith at this point in the recruitment where it's like, yeah, Bama, OU, USC, LSU, whatever. These are all schools he likes, schools he's going to visit a bunch, potentially OV2. But at the end of the day, he knows he's going to end up at a or UT. Um, and... The same people telling the, me the same thing, or the the same, it is the same source for Ty Anthony Smith as it is for Keati Armstrong. Um, and that source said, even then around this time last year, that he thinks he's going to end up at AM or UT, and then he tends to lean towards the Longhorns. Um, so since he's shooting uh, 101 so far, you know, I, 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 I think he's on the money right now. Um, Keati Armstrong, he tells us he doesn't want to commit to December. You know that's a long time from now um i wrote in the stampede i think that could have a big effect on the 25 class of texas just because man you already have Emari winston committed and the top two guys on the board are kiati armstrong and nick townsend uh, one isn't above the other one isn't below another they're even either one is a tank if either of them call texas right now to commit texas is going to lose their shit in, a, in a good way <laughs> um so Nick Townsend wants to commit in August. Kyate Armstrong wants to commit in December. Texas at some point is going to have to make a decision. You know, what are they going to do here? Um, I, think, I think both, honestly, are, uh, have great chances to end up as NFL players. Um, they just have athleticism and frames that you, you can't coach and you don't find often. Um, And both of them would have been the top tight end prospect in the state of Texas last year over Jordan Washington. And with all due respect to Jordan Washington, it wouldn't have been really close. Um, Yeah. Just there haven't been – there hasn't been a tight end prospect, uh, not just in ranking, but just like as a whole, talent, everything else, to the degree of Kiotti Armstrong or Nick Townsend since probably Donovan Green in the 22 class who signed with A&M out of Dickinson. Um, and before him it was probably JT Sanders. Um, so the the tight end situation is gonna be important. Uh,
0: yeah, I think too with Keati, the think the thing to remember kids from that part of the state, Newton, Silsby, Jasper, you know, that, you know, that southeast Texas area. Um, unless, you know, I know DeAnthony Gatson committed out there to, to SC at one point, but then ended up I think he's a butler now. Uh, and I know Darwin Barlow transferred from TCU to USC. Man, other than those two things, most of those kids end up staying in some close, probably either an in-state school or maybe Arkansas pops up for those kids. Uh, those, those kids usually don't go too terribly far, and you know, if the top three are, are all, not, not even knowing what I know, you know, and, and after reading this, you can go read Georgia's story on the site, like we talked about, man, if you told me the top three were Auburn A&M and Texas, I can tell you, you can probably eliminate one of those right off the bat, and it's probably going to end up being one of the two in-state schools.
1: Yeah, and the, that's another thing I want to talk about with Chiyotti. Um, Dude, if you if you go and go through his profile on 24-7 and the recent articles that he's tagged in, he says like different schools for every article whenever asked what schools are standing out, except UT and a are always in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a few kids do that without realizing it. And it helps us out to figure out, okay, who is truly legit here. Um, and I mean, it kind of just backs up what I was saying earlier about how a lot of people think it'll be UT or A&M for him. Um, I think something that's really important for, Kiati, I mean the things can always change. Just because it looks like you tier AM now obviously doesn't mean you know that has to stay the same. I just want to make sure my bases are covered. Right. Um, right. But I know with I
0: damn well knowing uh Draylen Miller from Silsby signed with Colorado, but we're seeing
1: <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's uh that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Um
1: but Kiadi, uh, he's barely taken any visits. Uh, the only out of state visits he's ever taken was to Miami, and that was two weeks ago. And it was because he was there for a seven on seven tournament. Yeah, um, he's gonna take a bunch of visits to schools he's never seen before in the spring and in the summer with official visits, and you know whenever schools do little official, unofficials. Um, but you know, again, uh, I think it's gonna be UT tier A and M, uh, and there, there's a long road ahead here. Um, yeah. at some point if texas decides you know we don't want to have to be recruiting all the way until december for this position and we can get a guy who's the same level in august and they decide to go that route i would have nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that um you know it's just going to be completely up to texas to decide where they want to go there but, but yeah
0: yeah another thing i really dig about the sark staff they're not going to take. They're not going to get to a point in the year and take a couple commitments of like borderline guys just to create some momentum in the class. Yeah, it felt like Charlie did that. I know Mac was kind of guilty of that at the end. Uh, Tom Herman, man, they, there was some guys that maybe they did it with, but I'd, I'd have to go through and remember some specific examples, and I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I haven't seen this Sark regime, Jordan, just be like take guys where you're like we're not stupid. You know, like, you know, some schools when they take a kid, it's like, all right, you're doing that just to drum up some momentum and try to get some guys on the bus, get everybody excited about what's going on. Man, Sarkin, those guys don't really care. Like, they're, especially if it's for a guy they want, they're willing to play the long game. And staying on the Kiotti Armstrong theme, It's exactly what they did with Ty Anthony Smith. I mean, if anybody thinks Jeff Choke just gave up when – uh, Ty Anthony Smith made his his commitment the first time, which when did he make that? Was that
1: like it was like June 30th or June 29th? It was something like that. It was yeah. the end of June.
0: Yeah, when he committed AM, the Texas didn't stop recruiting Ty Anthony Smith, and it ended up paying off for Texas in the end. Uh Kelvin Banks was the same way. So yeah, there if it's a guy they really like, they'll they'll go down to the wire for him and, for him and and you know whoever's been on our recruiting beat, it's you and Hank now. Uh, y'all have done a pretty good job of painting the picture. Like, look, they're clearly going to save a spot for this guy. Like, whatever you're, you think the numbers are, it's going to include that guy. So, they're not, you know, if it's for guys they really want, the numbers will work out. Hey, real quick before we keep going on the, uh, do you have something you wanted to hit real quick, Jordan?
1: Yeah, I just, uh the last kid I talked to is Javar Thomas from Aldi Nimitz. Uh, not a ton going on. He, he's taking it pretty slow. Uh He's I mean, he has 10 offers. He's gotten like seven of them in like the last week, week and a half. So not a bad approach at all. Uh, Texas offered him on Friday. Um, you know, that's, uh, I guess, the most prestigious offer he has, his best offer. Uh, currently a dead period going on that went into effect last night at midnight. It'll it'll be ongoing for about a month. Uh, whenever that expires, he wants to get down down to UT. He's been there once, but it was just a game visit for the Kansas game. So doesn't know a ton about the program um a few coaches stopped by nimitz and I met with him but you know he told me he, he doesn't know him that well and he wants to get to know him better um and you know i asked him any schools standing out no just because everything's so new and you know schools are still offering him pretty much kind of every day um but you know I, I did talk to someone close to him and uh while he did say you know he, he's super super open in his process he did say that uh, the offer that Jabbar had been waiting on more than any other offer was Texas. And, you know, Texas, had been Texas has been talking to this kid since like August or September, like you can recruit and talk to a kid without offering him. Um, and that's what they've been doing since the start of football season. I think it was either late August, early September, or like early October when I first heard that uh, Jeff Cho had actually went out to the school to go sit down with him and go meet with him. Um, so, you know, they, they've been doing their research on Javar for a while now. And, uh, you know, it seems like they're, they're at a place they like to, to offer him. Um, and I wrote it in the stampede this morning. Uh, Javar, he's an 89 three-star, high three-star, great prospect. But, you know, Texas already having a commitment from Deuce Williams and, you know, the Longhorns trending for Riley Pettidon and, and Bo Barnes. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of where this goes with Texas and Javar Thomas. Um, yeah. And also, what other big time schools are going to get involved that could give Texas some competition? Because it's not like Texas is going to be the only big time offer to come along. Right. Um, he, he's far from done. So, uh, and he also doesn't have a timeline for committing either. Um, so Javar Thomas is, is going to be an interesting recruitment to watch, a linebacker in twenty twenty
0: five. I know Hank has been a little more dialed into the KJ Lacey recruitment because he's mm-hmm. I got that relationship with KJ, but uh, he. Apparently KJ was supposed to visit Ole Miss for their junior day. I don't think he made it because the day he was supposed to be at Ole Miss, he was – CB mentions it in the chat. He was actually at the Senior Bowl uh, hanging out with Tavondre Sweat. Uh, man, this is just going to be one of those deals where Sark and A.J. Mill, we are just going to have to recruit KJ Lacey like he's uncommitted, especially when you've got a kid that talented in, in SEC territory. You know with, with Ryan Williams – at Alabama, they're not going to stop recruiting him. I, I doubt Auburn's going to stop recruiting him. And, you know, if, if Lane Kiffin's at least showed interest at this point, so you know Lane Kiffin's going to keep recruiting him. It's just, it's just one of those deals, man, if you want to hang on to your quarterback, you got to recruit him like, like he's not part of the class.
1: Yeah. Um, well, here's one thing that uh, I actually talked to Hudson Standish about, I think, last week or whenever it was when Ryan Williams committed to Alabama. Ryan Williams going to Alabama – rather than Auburn, I think is the best possible thing for Texas fans when it comes to, like, keeping K.J. Lacey. Yes,
0: I agree. Um,
1: Alabama obviously doesn't have saving anymore, right? We don't even got to talk about that. But DeBoer, if you go back and look at the quarterbacks he recruits and he's taken, he is, like, never taken anyone under, like, six two, six three, ever. And Sark, pretty much the same thing if, if you take away Bryce Young but I mean, Bryce yeah. Young is like the best little man of all time besides Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, I mean, y'all saw the quotes from KJ committed. Sark told him, you know, when I first saw your tape, I wrote down on your notes, Bryce Young 2.0. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: they share a lot of similarities and, you know, while that might seem crazy to some people, the Texas head coach is the one telling KJ that. So yeah, uh, that's who you got to argue with. Um, but, 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 with KJ and DeBoer, um, I just I don't think he fits a ton of what Alabama or not. Yeah, that is crazy. What Alabama is gonna run under DeBoer, um, <laughs> right? You know, it's just uh, he he doesn't recruit that type of body type of that position often. Um, yeah, and you know it would be very unordinary if they end up going after and getting KJ Lacey just because of his track record of the measurables of that position.
0: Yeah, I was trying to see even like Jake Hainer when uh, when DeBoer was at uh, DeBoer inherited him at Fresno. And um, Jake Hayner six one two hundred. But yeah, I mean Sark specifically though. Like you think about even going back to Sark's time at SC, the guys that he recruited when I'm talking when he was an assistant under Pete Carroll, dude, it was. Matt Liner, Carson Palmer. Uh, I think Carson Palmer might have already been there, but when Sark got on that staff, but Matt Castles, another one of those guys, Mark Sanchez, like just Sark recruited like the big, you know, six three, six four dude that could just take a five step drop and fire piss missiles. Like those are the that's the dude Sark was recruiting, and the Malik said, Murphy, yeah. huh? The Malik Murphy type. If Malik Murphy was a prospect in like the year two thousand five, Steve Sarkeesian would have recruited him at SC, and Malik Murphy would have been a Trojan. There's no question about it. Um, hey, yeah, you, you look at the guys he recruited out of I mean, he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't on on, on the staff in terms of like a full time role with Jalen Hurts recruitment. Uh, you know, Tua kind of the same thing. He inherited Tua, so really the only guys he, he recruited there was was Bryce Young, and yeah, Bryce Young didn't fit the mold. Well, the guy I mean, White. he got he got Milro, right. Sark did recruit Jalen Milrow, but again, Jalen Milrow's what 6'2", 6'3"?
1: Yeah, yeah. But I was meaning like yeah. guys that he recruited at Bama.
0: Yeah, different, different, different body. Yeah, different body type, different skill set. But the point is, man, Sark is. Uh, it just shows you, man. Sark is looking for. Sark is more concerned about skill set than physical traits. Like he'll he'll sacrifice a little bit of height. Or whatever. If the dude can just straight up fling it, so I, I yeah, I, like you said, if you don't like the KJ Lacey Bryce Young comparison, don't take that up with us. Take that up with Sark, because Sark yeah. made
1: it. Yeah, we're just the messenger. Yeah, just the just the messenger.
0: Anything um, else recruiting wise, Jordan? Because I want to pick your brain about some of this NFL draft stuff relating to the Longhorns.
1: Uh, No, I mean, we're honestly, we're kind of at the time of the year where, you know, from now until March slash early April, um, you know, not a ton's going to go on until until somebody kind of pops out of nowhere, commits out of nowhere. Unless that happens, you know, nothing's really going to go on. You know, it's going to be too groundbreaking until March or April, whenever the April transfer portal window opens and then, you know, official visits start getting scheduled around then as well. Uh, and we'll also have spring ball, of Texas. And I've I meaning to ask you, Jeff, do you know what the dates are for open practice when they let uh, like media availabilities for the spring?
0: I do not. Uh, when
1: it, when it usually happens, because I'm trying to get dates down on my calendar and I do need to, I do need to get those dates.
0: I'll look at it. Uh, I'll look at the registrar at Texas because whenever spring break is, Mm-hmm. Stark will have those kind of those shorts practices that you have to have during spring ball. He'll get those mm-hmm. out of the way before spring break. Got it. So that way they can come back from spring break and just hit the ground running. Got it. The rest don't work. So, yeah, he'll, he'll do he'll do the first three. And usually that week before, that, I, 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 it's funny, like, I haven't heard the Sarks having a press conference yet on Wednesday. I haven't heard of one guy. I would imagine he's having one just because even though there's nothing going on Recruiting-wise, he's still got some staff additions that he hasn't talked about yet publicly. He's also got some of those portal guys that he hasn't talked about yet publicly. Um, so, there, so there's some stuff to update on. Hopefully we get those dates because typically Pro Day is going to happen like the same week that Spring Ball starts. So mm-hmm. All that stuff will happen. Because usually for us, like the guys on the team side, usually it's a freaking nightmare because you'll have Spring Ball starting, Pro Day, and you'll have the Big 12 tournament. all all going on, the men's and women's Big 12 tournament, all going on that same week. So all I know is I'm not going to Kansas City, my ass is staying in Austin. So whatever's going on uh, over at the bubble, that's what I'll be be doing. Um, So I see, uh, I saw the draft network had a mock draft. They're kind of a post-senior bowl mock draft. Got Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat in the first round. And again, I think this bleeds into recruiting because Sark and the staff, they can sell development because Christian Jones had a really good week at the Senior Bowl. Usually we hear about Texas draft prospects trending the other way where they start trending backwards. And you're like, oh, man, I thought this guy was going to be a third round pick. Uh, He might be more like a sixth round pick. Really seems like it's starting to go the other way with the draft picks. Christian Jones stock has bumped up. Tavondre Sweat stock has bumped up. Jonathan Brooks for Mel Kuyper, still RB1, and he's probably a top three back in this draft, even with the injury. you still got Adnan Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders. So there's, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's weird for me to see guys from Texas, their stock going up as we go through the draft process instead of going the other way.
1: Yeah, uh, I haven't been paying attention to much of the senior bowl either. I mean, I've been moving in and driving yeah. back and forth from Houston the last week. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it is – you're right. And, you know, think about how many guys aren't even at the senior bowl they were supposed to be there as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And how, you know, a Barron, he's coming back. But, man, if he entered the draft, he would have been picked. You know, that's another guy as well. So
0: For sure. Yeah, uh, Christian Jones is the one though, man, I was looking, there haven't been too many times where Texas has had in the top 100 picks, basically the first three rounds, Mm -hmm. an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, both selected in the first three rounds. It's only happened like four or five times since the merger, since the NFL-AFL merger and basically the common draft. So, you could potentially have that, man, with the with the good feedback that Christian Jones has gotten. And it's not like Christian Jones, it's not like his tape was bad as a senior. Uh, or I guess, I don't know, was this Christian Jones' third senior year? I forget, but it's it was a lot. But yeah, the fact that, you know, the measurables were what they were and you figured they would be really high. But I just like the I like the fact that where we're seeing things trend. It just I mean it speaks to the job the staff does developing guys, and it's it's nice that it's nice that we're it feels like we're getting to a point where that old label of oh man why would you want to go to Texas they don't get anybody better well there's gonna be three or four guys drafted that Sark can look at and say no from the time we got here to the time they left those guys got better
1: yeah and also you know it helps you know not everyone that's gonna get drafted this year. had four or five stars next to their name. That helps in recruiting when you can be, you know, because, like, this is going to be crazy to some people. Um, in this job, you have the mix of kids that think they're way better than they actually are. Yeah. And then you also have the mix of kids who are, like, rated as three stars and they'll have the big-time schools recruiting them, and the big-time schools will actually really, 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 really want them. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, scared to go there because they don't think they'll ever play. Right. Like. I remember Austin Novosad's dad telling me that, like, Ryan Day and, like, the whole Ohio State staff on their official visit kept having to be like, Austin, like, we're not recruiting you just to take a quarterback. Like, we think you can and will start here eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, all, all that. And with Texas, it's the same thing. Like, they, they're coming across that problem just like other schools are. And whenever you can turn to one of them and say, hey, Christian Jones, I'm pretty sure he was a three-star if I remember correctly was a three was ranked low look at all this and Kyle Flood turned him into this. You know, think about what we can do with you when you're ranked as a five
0: or what you want to you want to know what Kyle Flood's done with Christian Jones. I, I just I'm looking at uh got a notification Ryan Wilson at CBS posted his top fifty prospects for the draft coming off the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. He's got Christian Jones at 39 overall. Hey did you talk think me rewind go back a year did you think there'd be any way in hell we'd be talking about christian jones as a top 50 prospect for the draft no hell
1: no hell no hell no
0: (laughs) no i don't think christian jones thought he'd be a top 50 prospect in the draft
1: yeah you know and the amount of like conversations i've had about like this specific thing like did you think christian jones like fuck no hell no (laughs) like the amount of times chip has even texted to our group chat, like, can y'all believe Christian Jones is a draftable prospect? He texted me like four times this season.
0: Yeah. And yeah. it was
1: like, Yeah, I know it's wild.
0: Like, so. it's weird. Like, Xavier Xavier Worthy isn't even on uh Ryan Wilson's top 50, by the way. He's got Jatavian Sanders, Christian Jones, A. D. Mitchell, uh, and then Byron Murphy, and I thought I saw Devondre Sweat's name somewhere in here.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to see what X is going to
0: weigh in at. Let me see. I don't. I don't think he's got. uh, I don't think he's got Tavondre Sweat ranked actually. Unless I missed him. Yeah, Tavondre Sweat not ranked. Interesting. Okay. Mm. But yeah, man, Christian Jones is uh, between Christian Jones and it's. Dude, I can't like. It's weird for me to wrap my head around like the fact that Ryan Wilson was in Mobile, right? Like he's talking to scouts. He's talking to front office people. Like, for him to put Christian Jones ahead of Tavondre Sweat on a list of NFL prospects just blows my mind. But again, like you said, man, this was a guy recruited by Herb Hand as just kind of a late, hey, let's take a flyer on this guy type deal. And, you know, the young guy, you know, was, we've talked about Christian's story. I mean, didn't really get going hard into football until he was a sophomore, junior in high school and actually started out playing defense and they flipped into offense and, You know, recruited by Herb Hand. We see him. He starts in that 2020 COVID season, which was weird. Kyle Flood gets here. They start him at left tackle. He wasn't really good there as a, you know, a sophomore. They move him back over to the right side when they get Kelvin Banks. And he just progressively just kept getting better to the point where I said this last week while you are out, Jordan. Christian Jones got to the point where you hope your offensive linemen get to, which is you can just kind of put them there and you don't really have to worry about it. You know, They'll win some, they'll lose some, but you don't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, is our right tackle going to get beat this week? You just trust him to stay out there and just kind of do his job. Just be a good, steady hand. But man, he, yeah. he put in some work at the Senior Bowl. And like I said, it's not like his tape in 2023 was garbage. He's got some good tape that he can put out there. So I just... Man, if you're Kyle Flood, I would I would put that on the business card. Like, I got Christian Jones drafted in the top 100 and hand that to kids.
1: Yeah, and just go around the Texas media market and ask every person, like, <laughs> what did you think of Christian when you first saw him? And just have have all those reviews. And then it's like, did you ever think he'd be draftable? And it's like, fuck no, fuck no, fuck
0: no. (laughs) For me, it it would be, I go back to watch that, man. I I feel like, take a shot, because everybody's heard me tell this story. I go back to his true freshman year, being in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl practices, watching him walk on the field as a scout team guy for you know Hmm. playing one of the Georgia offensive linemen. And I'm just like, dude, he looks like an offensive tackle, like a legit high-level offensive tackle. But just watching him move around, I was like, He's got a long way to go, and so long that when a guy, when you see a guy's got that long of a way to go, you're like, at some point he's probably going to get recruited over by the time yeah. he develops. And credit to him, man, he's stuck it out. And props to Christian Jones for being a freaking forget top top forty. Christian Christian Jones is within striking distance of being considered a first round caliber guy. Jordan, that's that's what we're talking about right now. According to according to Ryan Wilson at CBS,
1: yeah, um, I mean, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's
0: Byron Murphy at nineteen in these rankings. By the way, no. uh, let's see who were the other Texas guys. I said Byron Murphy, Ad Mitchell at thirty four, and then it was yeah Christian Jones at thirty nine, Jatavian Sanders at forty five. So really, other than Tavondre Sweat. Tavondre Sweat was in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50, and if you switch Christian Jones and Xavier Worthy, I think that's probably where they were ranked. I think Daniel Jeremiah had Xavier Worthy like 38, 39, something like that. So, so nice. Christian Jones, Talk good stuff about the draft right now.
1: Yeah. Christian Jones and uh, Whittington are the longest tenured guys, right? And, and And Christian's been here a year
0: longer, actually been here a year longer than Jordan has.
1: No. Oh, but Christian was the only dude left from that class, though, right? 2018, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now that he's gone, who is the oldest is David Benda? Okay. And he's going into year 6, right?
0: Yeah. Let's see if there I think David Benda is the only one left from
1: And then after him it's like Jade's class.
0: Yeah, right? Jade, uh Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton. So we're Because oh, yeah. we're getting to the end of the line of the guys that have COVID eligibility left. Mm-hmm. which I know for coaches is just thrown a, I know for it's been more of an issue for basketball because you've got guys that I've heard of schools where you've got guys that want to come back. And we've heard about this a little of football, but it's more basketball. Like, well, if you want to play another year of college basketball, you have to do it somewhere else. Cause we got guys coming in and we we don't, we don't have a scholarship for you. Uh 2019 class. Yeah. Jordan Whittington moving on. I uh, still got David Benda. just trying to, I mean, I'm, was ninety nine percent sure he was the last guy. Yeah, yeah, because Tavondres Sweat and Roshan Johnson, all these other guys are gone. Like, gosh, man, that was a terrible class. On paper, on paper, that was the number three class in the country. But man, between attrition and that dude, that's the kind of havoc a coaching change can have on a recruiting class. Where these guys can, those guys in that twenty nineteen class, they came to Texas to play for Tom Herman. They didn't come to Texas to play for Sartre. And especially after going through that COVID year, some some dudes just need. To, I chalk that up as much to, to COVID maybe as the coaching change. Because probably some guys just decided. I know Jake Smith was one of those guys who was just like, dude, he just needed to go get a fresh start. Like you just need to go somewhere else and hope where you. hope you know, your fortune changes?
1: Where did Jake Smith end up? Was it Arizona
0: State? Arizona State. Yeah, he was ineligible this year. Couldn't get the waiver. But yeah, he'll be he'll be playing for Arizona State in
1: 2024. Wait, what? Totally
0: yeah how many could. years does he have left uh who he, he's still he, on he, the roster he might have two I thought he was because he was trying to get a waiver to play right away but because he he had already used his one-time transfer to go from Texas to USC so he that's was right to
1: get, I forgot he was a I forgot he was at SC
0: yeah he was trying to get a waiver and never got the waiver because I was seeing some stuff from uh our Arizona State site does a really good job covering that program. And I was seeing some stuff it was kind of the same deal with uh Tez Walker at North Carolina, where they're like, okay, he should get a waiver. Like they're you know, there's nothing holding him back. And Tez Walker's was they just made him wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. Jake Smith just got flat out denied.
1: Okay, so on the Arizona State website, played in all 13 games of the true freshman at Texas 2019. 25 catches, 274 yards, six tuds. Uh, next year, he appeared in seven games during the COVID 19 shortened 2020 season, making six starts, catching 23 passes, 294 yards, and three tuds. And then transferred to USC after 2020, but didn't appear in a game following an early foot injury upon arrival. But I want to hmm. know when the hell did he transfer to Arizona State? Like when so, did he officially move in?
0: If you remember, he. I don't think he ended up at Arizona State till last spring. So
1: he Dude. was just sitting in like classes at USC. That is true. Yeah. Jake Smith and Troy O'Meara are teammates. Yeah. And Clayton Smith, if y'all remember that name as well.
0: Dude, I haven't thought about Clayton Smith. Did he did he make a pit stop between uh OU and uh in Arizona State? Or was that just a straight up transfer?
1: I think it was a straight-up transfer, I'm pretty sure. Okay. okay, so on... I don't know how accurate this is. I assume it's accurate. Um, but if you go to the timeline on Jake Smith's 24-7 sports profile, mm-hmm. uh, it says he entered the portal on December 10th, 2022 and transferred to Arizona State on December 10th, 2022. Yeah, so
0: basically, he pretty much just... Sat out last from year. From what I remember, gave up... Kind of gave up football for all intents and purposes. After, Because remember... He he was there for Sark's first spring at Texas. And the very first spring practice broke his foot. And then that was the last we saw Jake Smith. He transfers to SC and then, you know, had the injury there, kind of gave up football, wasn't around, and then hit the portal, transferred to Arizona State. He tried to get the waiver as Trey ones does. He tried to get the waiver because again, he it would it was a second transfer before graduating. And uh Got
1: his waiver denied. Mm. Sorry, I'm reading a story about this.
0: I didn't think we'd have this much Jake Smith talk on our show today. but I just
1: forgot he existed and was blown away that he is still in college.
0: Trey, you want to you know one of my favorite Tom Herman quotes? I love any time we can, we can talk about Tom on this show. As it relates to Jake Smith? I was going to come up with something smart-ass, but I got nothing, so hit me. He had, Jake Smith had a big game against Rice his freshman year. Remember, he had the caught the touchdown against LSU, and then he had, I think he had two touchdowns against Rice. And Brian Davis from the Statesman asked Tom, he's like, hey, it's a good problem to have. Have you thought about how to get Devin, Duvernay, and Jake on the field at the same time? And Tom, without skipping a beat, just goes, well, why do we need to? Like, I don't know, maybe because you've got two explosive-ass playmakers, and you might want to get those guys on the field together. I don't know. Just I'm just throwing out this wild-ass theory.
1: Why would Sark put Isaiah Bond and Matthew Golden on the same field? Like, that's too much speed.
0: Yeah, it's too much you
1: know? <laughs> Tom Herman probably wouldn't still be here had he um, considered this, but he would have been better off going with more of Steve Sarkeesian wide receiver rotation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well you talk about two guys that are complete polar opposites in how they use receivers. Yeah. Because <sighs> Trey and I were both big fans, Jordan, of looking up like there's you're like in the fourth quarter, it's a one possession game. You got a critical like third and seven. And I'm like, dude, why is Kai Money on the field right now? Oh my god, dude. Kai
1: money, Kai Money. My dad hated Kai Money. <laughs>
0: I don't think your dad. Would he know. didn't. He
1: didn't hate Kai Money. He hated how Tom Herman would play Kai Money.
0: He would be <laughs> yeah, like, "That's not Kai Money's fault."
1: He'd be like, "Y'all don't know." I don't think y'all know this. I have a twin brother, and my dad would be watching the games and would literally be like, "Jackson's better than him." How does Texas not have anyone better? Like that type of stuff. I was literally about to um, guess if your twin's name was Jackson. Is your twin's name really Jackson? Yeah, it is. Was he wait? Was he playing for Texas? No, 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 no. He played at Lake Travis. Oh. but It was just whenever I was in high school, you saying my brother is a better – in high school is better than Kai Money is for UT because he was a former walk-on, all that. It was just Tom Herman still being at Texas and all that. It was just the tip and point was reached long ago for uh, for Jules Scruggs. That's a future <laughs> Dr. Money to all of us. I think he was like a biology or pre-med major in college. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he went to grad school at A&M, if I remember correctly, if I saw that correctly.
0: I think there's a there's a happy medium to be found between Tom Herman, everybody gets to turn on the carousel, wide receiver rotation, and Sark, where if you're like the sixth dude, you're just like, Coach, I haven't I gotten any playing time. Well, that's too effing bad. Go back and sit on the bench. If you're not top five, you're not playing. Like maybe Maybe there's a happy medium to be found there somewhere. But I mean, top, I'd I'd much rather have it done the way Sark does it. Top five. I mean, if you're number four, you're not playing. Sorry, Jonte. Yeah, Kirk.
1: and you only come in when they throw a bomb to someone and it's off target.
0: That's yep.
1: it. and you and then Jonte comes in and runs the same route and then comes out.
0: There, there was never a game in the last two years where I looked up and was like, "Why is Jaden Alexis on the field during this on this critical third down?" You know, like no dudes that were dudes that were on the field were the dudes that needed to be there.
1: So. yeah no, that's much better than the alternative right it was more of hey we're up 50 on texas tech why are our starters still playing can we get yeah. ad out of the game please
0: again there's the happy medium <laughs> <laughs> oh, but give me give me give me sark over tom in more ways than just that one amen uh, but anyway now we're gonna get going uh trey bk you guys uh hope you guys had a good weekend and uh, here's to a good start to the the broadcast week, BK. I know you got yours started already. So, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Great show.
1: See you, guys. See you.